Welcome to the Dharma Spring. Yeah, another round of a meditation and then a talk about this koan. Like I said, since just bringing it in the last week and talking about it, things started to happen as they do, hanging out with koans. It's like last week when we had a little meditation after the talk I gave, I noticed that Wu Wei came to mind and it hadn't arisen beforehand. So there was one thing that was in the after, in the wake, <laughs> you know, after the talk settled. And then this week, talking with individuals, some other ideas and things were coming forth from them, plus an hour talking about it and hearing about how you know, some of the things were happening during the meditation gatherings, I just found, oh, there's, you know, interesting points that people are bringing up that would like to be shared with others in case they weren't around for it. And just new things I'm noticing too. Again, as happens, hanging out with koans and inquiry, inquiring into this great matter of this right here, yeah. Um, So one thing is, is you know, a question could be, is young men advocating don't do anything? <laughs> Give up effort, just don't do anything at all? That can't be right, you know, that kind of thing comes up. And what I notice is when, my, when I'm having that response, I realize I'm trying to pin the koan down to give me some kind of meaning or advice, or this is the way you do it. It's kind of the black and white. It's either yes or no. Is he saying to not do, give any effort at all? And I notice, yeah, that's that mind of mine that might be looking for the recipe or the formula. Just tell me what I'm supposed to do so I can just do it and things will be taken care of. But um, I also notice if that's the question that's arising, the reason it's arising with a little bit of a charge for me, that can't be right, you know, is because my experience tells me that's not what he's saying. Or if that is what he's saying, how the hell is he an ancestor? <laughs> Beyond men, that particular ancestor, how could he be such a great teacher if it's that simple, just don't do anything? So no, experience and intuition, something tells me, well, that's not what it is. Which then leads to the question, well, what is he talking about? What is this about? And that's the inquiry that we do, the inquiring into the, the territory, into the field, not to get the answer, but to understand more fully what's here in front of me, the me that's in front of this, and our mixing and mingling together. Yeah. So when I allow that mind that's trying to pin it down to take a break and I just wonder well what what is this what's going on here I can look more into it without that mind as a, um, a barrier or something in the middle between myself and my experience or myself and the koan even that mind moves away there's a more intimate connection so one thing I notice in that regard and this, I think, aligns with the Wu Wei, the uh, non-acting, non-doing, or more literally looking at the characters, the Chinese characters, emptiness action, 
Um, anyway, in the koan, the thing that aligned with that for me was, it doesn't say give up all effort. It says give up your effort. Or in this case, give up my effort. And I know what that's like to, to approach something when it's my effort. I'm trying to do something. I'm making the effort because I have an idea of what needs to happen and how it should happen and where it's going to go. And sometimes when I do that, it's not really in line with what I'm meeting. It's like I'm sometimes imposing my ideas upon the situation, trying to get the situation to get in line with me, right? <laughs> um, and that can be a clash there. You know, there's what wants to happen in my idea of what I want to have happen that aren't quite meeting. And we're banging, clashing, you know, things aren't working. So if I look at it as a give up my effort, it's like let go of that agenda, that strategy, those ideas. And then listen what actually wants to happen and how can I help might be a response that comes up. You know, in this case of this koan, I, you can see maybe this person comes forward with this idea of the ancestors don't want to be betrayed and I want to do it 24 <laughs> seven. I want to make sure I'm in line with what they don't want to be betrayed and it has to happen every hour of the day. Yeah, every day of the week throughout the year. And you can get a sense of, well, that's a lot of that person's own ideas in that first question. Maybe the ancestors don't wanna be betrayed, but are they looking for 24 seven, do something so that we are not betrayed or are they looking for something a little different? And you kind of have to sweep away the idea of the 24 seven or you know, any other ideas that are there to listen to well, what's actually wanted here whether it's the ancestors or the situation at hand, yeah. So the, the woo way of that, the woo, the emptiness is to clear the field of, again, those strategies and agendas and ideas of mine, open up the field so that it's an empty, open field, ready to respond and arise to meet what's calling it, yeah. And certainly it involves effort, yeah. But it's a different kind of effort when it's met that way, when it's not myself so much in charge, taking the lead, trying to make it happen. It's more of that partnership thing, the co-creation, collaboration that we speak of. But I notice when I'm in that place of partnering with situations and reality and all of that, it doesn't feel like effort so much as just this, this energy that's there that you could call it effort because it takes effort to show up, effort to keep engaging. But it's like the, the energy and the connection that's coming through the meeting pours back into me and keeps me going, keeps me afloat. So it's almost like, yes, it takes this effort to connect and create this kind of, um, well, this connection, this bond. There's a little tension in there, but a, a supportive, life-giving tension. Oh, we're feeding each other. We're listening. We're rolling along. We're partnering. Yes, it takes effort, but it's also kind of effortless because we rely on each other, this reality and myself and the others with me in it. Yeah. 
So the emptiness activity, clearing the field and acting from that bigger place, larger place that is open and ready to arise and meet and engage. So that's one, one go at this again. <laughs> Another thing I noticed with somebody I was talking to this past week who wasn't at the meditation last week, but I shared the koan with her anyway, or because she was in a place with a lot of uh, inner life, this, you know, things to all demands upon her and, you know, things that pulled her in a variety of directions and things that we encounter like that, right? So I just shared the koan with her and immediately you could just see she relaxed. <laughs> Shoulders kind of dropped and, and she said that, just like, ah, yeah. Just hearing that helps. Give up your effort. And it's like somewhere without even having to think about it, she was given permission to stop doing the extra thing. And that's me putting my words on it, but stop doing more than what's really needed perhaps, or give yourself permission just to stop. And that also feels like opening to that place of the empty field of, ah, when I stop and relax, things kind of settle and be clear, and then I can take a breath and maybe arise from there differently. The momentum of all the other stuff I had been doing drops away and again, the field clears. And, whew, there's space again. Then there's time too. I don't have to immediately get in there and do something. I can breathe and take the time to see when does it call me and what's needed and how do I respond and partner. All of that comes forth again. But I noticed, you know, hanging out with those two takes feels better than that idea. Give me a formula, give me a what to do you know, recipe thing. But I noticed there's still more room to, to go deeper into the inquiry. Because what I was called to is knowing, oh, I don't know how many times, <laughs> continuously throughout my life, these times where I can feel, man, this is taking a lot of effort. Yeah. And in conversations with people, I noticed there was, um, I'm breaking it down to two categories of effort, which there's certainly more, but maybe these are some general overarching categories. One is the effort to try to make things happen before they're ready to happen. Kind of the effort of reaching and pulling forth, controlling, all that kind of stuff. And the other one is the effort of resisting what's happening. <laughs> when I don't wanna be doing this, I'd rather be, ugh. And it takes effort to try to keep myself away from what's actually happening. And so in those situations, well, in the first one where it's maybe reaching beyond trying to get things to happen before their time, I notice there seems to be in that trajectory that partnering and stuff is happening pretty well for a time, but maybe I get too, too energized by it. Then I start to try to control it, make it mine more so than the partnership. And so that letting go of my effort, giving up my effort, isn't about walking away and just dismissing it. 
it's about, oh, let me return to that base level where the partnership was happening and we were able to mutually be making our way along the effortless effort of partnership, energizing one another, yeah. Hmm. Then I notice in the other one, when that's the effort I put towards resisting what's happening, it's, well, I had my mind set on something else, perhaps. I wanted to be doing this and that, but now this is happening. And the letting go of that effort is kind of, instead of having myself living some other life that's 10 feet away or, you know, 30 years away or whatever it might be, when I let go of the effort of what should be happening, what I wanted to be happening, stop resisting what is happening, then it helps me drop into that place a little more open-handedly, open-heartedly, open-mindedly. Take that breath and, okay, well, this is what's happening. And then it might take a little time to allow myself to be called forth and bring forth the effort that I have to offer to the situation, yeah. So hanging out with that territory and exploring it for a bit, um, two experiences, bodily experiences came to mind that speak to the feel of this kind of partnering or not partnering and what to do about it. <laughs> One was, um, you ever been running down a hill and your feet get ahead of you? <laughs> Your legs are, they, I mean, for a while it's good, but then all of a sudden the gravity and everything else is pulling you and it's more like your legs are just doing their own thing. In a way you've gotten ahead of yourself and if you keep going, you tumble, right? Tumble and fall because everything got out of alignment. If you, if you can catch yourself though, it's like, oh, I need to just kind of find out how to let go and lean back into this and find the, the, the balance of the gravity of the hill and everything. Um, for a little bit, it, you know, running like that, it feels like things are out of control. It's like, oh, I'm gonna crash, I'm gonna crash, I'm gonna fall and tumble. Um, and that can be what happens with our lives, you know, our, our ideas, ourselves getting ahead of the situation and maybe the tumble's coming. But if we notice it, when we notice it, then we can kind of allow the adjustment to happen. I don't know that we have to make the adjustment in that case. We can just allow the easing off of whatever effort we're making and the adjustment and the in-syncness happens again, yeah. Related to that, a different kind of experience before I get to the other physical experience. Um, I noticed the, the mental experience of that for me is when the thing I've talked about from time to time is when I perseverate on something, something's bothered me and then I tell stories about it and then I keep, keep going and my mind creates this whole world that I can get caught in. That's like getting well beyond the situation. And even in the place I'm at, I'm thinking about something else. I'm not connected to what's happening. and I'm just living in this other mental world. Then I catch myself like, oh, I really ran further into that situation than need be and created a whole bunch of other stuff. And I'm disconnected from what's happening in front of me because I'm spinning these stories. But as soon as I notice it, it's kind of, a, oh, ha. <laughs> I've learned I can laugh at that. And then it just let go and 
drop back into the place that's not telling stories or perseverating on some idea and can kind of be in that place of openness and noticing again. So that's kind of my mental version of my feet getting all my feet and legs, feet and legs getting all blah, running down a hill. It's just happening in the mental realm. Yeah. Hmm. So now back to the the second a physical experience that came to mind. It was uh, instead of running this time, it was riding the bike and maybe going down a bit of a hill. I don't know. But riding a bike and getting to the point where the bike is going faster than I can pedal. And I can try to like get my pedals going, you know, go faster and get it caught up. So I feel the tension of the chain, that productive tension um, speaking of before. Or what works best is to realize, oh, I did my part to get us to this place. Now the bike's going to carry me for a bit and I can relax. <laughs> I don't have to put up for the effort to keep up with the bike, let it roll. And then it'll eventually slow down enough that we need to meet again and be in that productive tension place. And I pedal and there we are cooperating. And sometimes it needs me to put a little more effort forth to help it. But it doesn't always require full effort from me, nor can I always just sit back and let the bike roll. It takes that partnership, right? And that's a, as you know, bike riding experience shows, it's never one way. There's not one recipe, one formula that's going to get you through every situation. Sometimes there's an uphill, sometimes there's a downhill, sometimes there's gravel all over the trail and we have to drive and ride differently. Yeah. So that one was like, oh, yeah, how to ride the bicycle of my life or of life itself, that partnership showing up and pedaling, meeting the situation as I need to, giving the effort I need to to help it along, but also allowing the effort that it's giving back to me or the result of the effort, the bike carrying me along, allowing it to carry me and giving up that effort that got us to that place, letting the ride take me along. And then again, now I need to put forth a little bit more, a little bit more, right? So I guess I really center on the, the your part. Um, the my part is the black and white answer would be either do it all or don't do it at all. <laughs> the reality is what's my part? What's my obligation in the partnership at this time? What is needed of me? How much effort? How much non-effort? And that listening and attending and meeting and responding, yeah, over and over and over. So I think that's what young men is speaking of here. It's not about not doing anything. It's about opening up the space to discover what is needed and how you might partnership, partner with it, create that partnership, that relationship more intimately. In a way, it reminded me of the precepts in the fact that you notice young man's not telling you what to do exactly. He's, he's saying what you cannot do. Just like all the vows say not to kill, not to steal, not to lie. Put down these things 
They don't say, and here's how you should live your life, right? Those vows. They open up the space, let you put down the things that get in the way, invite you actually, invite you to set down those things that get in the way or explore the things that get in the way in your own particular world. And if you are able to put those down to a degree, then you get that more open field with nobody having figured out how to do it and telling you how to do it because life has not happened beyond this moment yet. But it gives you a way to relate to and connect to the reality of what is and then figure out, well, what do I do now? What is the effort that's needed? What's the non-effort that might be needed? Yeah. So this koan, give up this, give up that. Again, in service of clearing that field and opening up the possibilities, inviting the partnership and the collaboration. Hmm. Now, <laughs> having a, you know, wandered through all this in my own experience and now shared it with you, the most of it, I think. The last thing to share is what came up this morning. Um, I was like, oh, what about that? <laughs> it was uh, part of the, what are called sometimes the three essentials of Zen. Hakuman spoke about them. I didn't look up to see, was it somebody before him who spoke about it? But they probably will sound familiar to you. The three essentials are great effort, great determination, and great doubt. <laughs> and so I thought about, you know, give up your effort. Is young men's going against this idea of great effort? One of the essentials of Zen? Are they in conflict? How do they meet? How, what's their relationship? Yeah. And then I found because of the exploration I've done, it's like, actually, I think they're pretty much lined up with each other. You know, the great effort is that place of doing exactly the amount of effort, offering the amount of effort that is my obligation and my responsibility, not to just sit back and expect awakening to happen. It needs me to contribute, it needs me to collaborate with it, right? Whether it's awakening or life happening, all of that kind of stuff, it needs me to show up. I can't just sit back and expect it to, oh, eventually if I, may, if I get, more and more dormant and just do nothing I don't think it's gonna really happen but if I get to this idea of well here's what it is and I I know how to make it happen yeah like I talked about before this could be in the realm of awakening enlightenment whatever you want to call that if I have so many of my ideas about it and trying to make it happen well that's too much effort that's not so great effort that's kind of an eh, effort <laughs> so the great effort to me is the calling forth of Andrew, show up fully, give the effort, make the effort that is mine to make in partnership with all else, yeah. And I appreciate that that great effort arose because it does have that kind of daunting feel to me, great effort, which feels like the, how do I do the 24 seven things so I don't betray the ancestors, which seems, oh, that's, that's a pretty big ask, yeah. So I'm glad that these two met because the great effort just might be 
calling me to show up fully as I am, meeting the moment as it is, moment by moment, day by day, situation by situation. And that takes a lot. It doesn't like fit the bill of a definition of great effort, you know, necessarily and when it's something out there, but to live our lives and all that arises within them and that we have to face and navigate through and, you know, enjoy and grieve over and everything else that happens, the losses and the gains and the monotonous times, you know, all else. It's no small thing to be living a life and it takes a beautiful and great effort to just show up and meet these things in all their varied glory, right? So it's not a grand and great effort that stands upon the mountaintop and shines. It's this thing continuously flowing forth from your heart and mind in your life every day. That's the greatest of efforts, to be here with this, meeting and responding, partnering, collaborating, co-creating, and all of that that happens in that open field of possibilities. Hmm. Give up your effort. Thank you for listening. For more about Andrew Palmer and his teachings, please visit bowandroar.com and look for him on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.